Well, the sermon text is on the back of your uh, worship bulletin along with the outline, and I'm just looking at that. You know, that looks like a lot of work, a lot of fill in the blanks and all that. Um, I just thought it was important to uh, make some sermon notes before we actually get into the summary, which is the sermon down there at the bottom. So um, before the prayer, let's just kind of quickly go through the lesson, make some comments about it, because it is such an important lesson. I think it's important to, to comment, not on every single verse, but on a number of these verses, because outreach, mission, proclaiming the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this is really why we're here. So uh, verse 1 deals with the sending of the 72, and this is interesting, because here we are at the beginning of Luke chapter 10, and in the previous chapter, at the beginning of Luke 9, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles. But evidently, they weren't enough. And so Jesus calls 72 to go out, and they are to proclaim the message, the good news of the kingdom. But even they are not enough, because look at verse 2. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then in your outline there, verse 2, this, even 72 is not enough. That means you are an answer to prayer. You are the fulfillment of the prayers that people prayed long ago for more laborers to be and enter into the harvest field of the Lord. We'll say more about that shortly. Uh, notice verse 3. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Now, let me ask you this. What can a lamb do to defend itself? Run to the shepherd, maybe? <laughs> That's about it. Okay? Stay near the shepherd. So, uh, in your outline, we are vulnerable and must depend on the shepherd. We must depend on the shepherd. And when attacked, we cannot respond in kind. We can't do to others as they have done to us in a harmful way. We're prohibited from doing that. We don't have that power. We don't have that authority. It's not given to us. It's given to the government. They have the sword, but not you or me. It's a good thing, too. Okay. Uh, notice verse 4. Carry no money bag. Notice these negatives here. No money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. These commands are all negative because, according to your outline, God would provide for them through their message. Through the message, through the word. The word spoken by the 72 will produce faith in the hearts of the hearers, and that faith will produce the support that the missionaries require. And he says, greet no one on the road. And that suggests the urgency of the mission. It's so important. Don't stop. And greetings in the Middle East, I'm told, are long, kind of laborious things. You visit for a while when you see somebody. It's like you see somebody in Walmart and you visit for a half hour. Well, you normally wouldn't do that, okay? But they do that over there. And so don't do that. On mission, it's that important. It takes precedence over even greeting someone else. Uh, verse 5. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. You're a carrier of peace. Now, all of us are carriers of something, okay? Uh, maybe you're carrying a cold virus right now. Uh, I was two or three weeks ago, okay? Uh, Harriet was. I, I know some, other, uh, some others of you 
have been carrying the cold virus. It's going around, okay? Uh, some people carry HIV. Some people carry typhoid, right? It may not affect them personally, but they carry it. But here, you and I carry something positive. We carry peace. You are a carrier of peace into the lives of others. And this peace with God comes through the ministry of Jesus Christ. Through his life, death, and resurrection, you have been forgiven. We'll say more about that shortly. But the point is this. In your person, you carry the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. You bear the presence of Jesus to those you meet. Think about that and the implications of it. Verse 6. If the son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. It won't remain there. God's peace won't remain if it's not welcome, if it's rejected. And so in, in your outline, verse 6, it's possible to reject a pardon. And, and I, I looked that up. Uh, United States versus Wilson, uh, President Andrew Jackson actually pardoned a convicted murderer, and he refused the pardon, if you believe it. He refused the pardon, and so the Supreme, it went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, if he refuses the pardon, then he is to be executed. And so George Wilson was hung by the neck until dead. Why he refused? It's not because he was innocent. He pleaded guilty. But he refused the pardon. And he suffered the consequences. And then uh, verse 7. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. In other words, missionaries are not to go shopping around for the best room and board, okay? That is not right. That makes you a mercenary, not a missionary. And then verse 8, whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat, and in the Greek, it's eat whatever is set before you. Whatever is set before you. I would imagine these are Jewish people, and they're going to go into some places that are not kosher, but they're to eat it. Okay? They eat whatever's set before them. That's respecting other people. I remember shortly after my family and I moved up here to Indiana, I went back to Texas to conduct a wedding, and one of the members of our congregation down there invited us to dinner, and, and uh, she served asparagus. And I don't eat asparagus, and I never have ate, eaten asparagus. I just didn't want it. But Peggy made it, and I ate it, and it was good. And I've been eating it ever since. Okay. But if you invite me to your house, I would just ask this. I know I'm supposed to eat whatever's set before me, but please don't serve liver. Okay? <laughs> just don't do that. Don't make me struggle. All right? Um, okay, so verse 9. Heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. That is to say, we care for the whole person. You know, we pray for healing. We visit the sick. Uh, we bring meals to those who come home from the hospital and so on. We care for the whole person. And then verses 10 to 11, this is kind of uh, mysterious, to shake the dust off your feet. We really don't know what that means. But it bears a resemblance to something that we do know about. And it seems that the ancient Israelites, if they were in a, a, a Gentile territory, a pagan land, and they're re-entering the Holy Land, they would shake the dust off their feet before they re-entered because they didn't want to bring impurity 
into the holy space, you see. And so it may be an indication that y'all are unbelievers, y'all are pagans, okay? When that dust is shaken off the feet, that may be what it means. We can't really be sure about that. And then verses 12 to 15, I'll just focus on verse 12. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. That is to say, rejecting the gospel of forgiveness is worse than the sins of Sodom. It's that serious. It's that serious. And then verse 16, the one who hears you hears me. When you speak to another person, you not only represent Jesus, but in a very real sense, you are Jesus for that person. That's how important Jesus makes you. Rejecting your message equals, if you're sharing Christ with them, if you're making a witness about God's love in Christ, and they reject that, they're rejecting Jesus, and that equals rejecting God the Father. Now, verse 17, the 72 returned with joy, saying, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And I emphasize subject to us, because they're, they're, this is kind of misplaced joy. They are rejoicing in their status over the demons, you see. And there's a real opening there the devil can use for pride. Even if you're, you're exalted over the demons, you could become prideful. And so Jesus warns them about that in verse 20. Uh, pride is always a temptation, even in church work. Pride's a temptation no matter what you're doing. Verse 18, it's the message that overcomes Satan. You and I don't overcome Satan, it's the message. The word has that power. Wherever the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed, the light advances and the darkness recedes into the background. Satan falls from heaven, but our names are written there. And verse 19, this is curious. I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Now contrast that with verse 3, where he says, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. How do you reconcile this? I mean, these disciples, the 12 apostles at least, they're all going to be killed. Well, except John, and he's in prison. Many of these people are going to be put to death for what they believe. What's this about nothing can harm you? Well, I think it goes like this. Our shepherd protects us, and yet we're vulnerable. We are mortal. And we're safe until he withdraws that protection and he allows the snake or he allows the harm to approach and to overcome us. But until that time, he protects us. He protects us for as long as he needs us. Then he will withdraw that protection. And remember, for the believer in Christ, death is not a curse. It is a gift. It is our entrance into eternity. And then verse 20. Do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Uh, in the outline there, we must always focus on God's actions, not our actions. And notice, our names are written, they are written in heaven. That's a divine passive. That means God's doing the writing. You don't write your name in heaven. You couldn't do it anyway. 
God is the one who does that for you. And God did that long before the world was made. And the scripture, I've just given you a few examples of some passages where uh, in scripture, the, this book of life, this uh, book of the Lamb of God is described. There's a lot of other verses about it as well. Uh, you can look up some of those on your own. Uh, but God did this for you long before the world was made. You didn't decide for it to happen. God decided for you by his grace. We bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this day, the opportunity to hear your word. Give us attentive ears and open hearts to not only hear it, but to share it. In Jesus' name, amen. So Roman numeral one in your summary, the 72 are not enough for this world mission, but you are. And point A, the greatest barrier to our evangelism is this. It is our assumptions about others. Our assumptions about others. Those are dangerous. We say things like, well, they couldn't possibly have any interest in our church. Or they won't like our worship style. Or, well, they're not ready to hear the gospel. Or... They've already heard the gospel, so they really don't need to hear it from me. Or, well, they might think less of me if I bring up the subject of Jesus. You know, I might bruise the fruit. You know, I might lose them and lose their interest and maybe even their respect. We come up with all kinds of reasons why sharing our faith with someone or inviting someone to church just won't work. But when we think that way, we're not giving them the chance to reject the Lord. We actually are rejecting the Lord for them. We're saying no in their place. How bad is that? You know, if rejecting the Lord is worse than the sins of Sodom, aren't we also sinning if we reject Jesus for them? If we make that decision for them? These 72 missionaries in our gospel lesson for today, they trusted the power of the gospel to provide for their physical needs. How much more should we trust the gospel to work in the hearts of the people with whom we speak? The word has that power. Point B, we have the most positive message on earth, the most beautiful message of all time. We proclaim the peace and the love of God for all people, regardless of who they are, regardless of what they've done, regardless of where they've been. We preach that every man, woman, and child on earth has already been forgiven by God. All their sins through the shed blood and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we call objective justification. It means God did it for you without your faith, without your permission, without your knowing about it, without your believing it. It's done. Now, when we preach that message and people believe it, that forgiveness and that new life becomes their personal possession. That's what we call subjective justification. It happens in the heart. That's why the preaching of the word is so important. But the point is this. It's already done, and it's the doneness of it that produces faith in the heart. That's why we preach it that way. We don't preach a conditional salvation. We don't preach the possibility of forgiveness. We preach it as an accomplished fact, and that's what moves the heart to believe, that it's done for me. It's done for you. 
If it depended on me, I'd always have reason to doubt it. But it doesn't. It's not my faith, even, that makes salvation sure and certain. It's the sureness and certainty and doneness of salvation that makes my faith sure and certain. That's how it works. Point C. Like the 72, you precede the Lord. You see, these 72 were sent out before the Lord. Kind of like John the Baptist being sent out before Jesus. And you and I are sent out before the Lord. He's coming back at any moment. His return is imminent. And we're privileged to go out before him, before his face, as it says in the Greek. Roman numeral two. All this means you are the light of the world. And the presence of Jesus and the Father in the world today, that's who you are. That's who you are. Jesus said, a city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. Jesus said, people don't light a lamp and hide it under a bushel. They set it on its lampstand, and it gives light to everyone around them in that house. You see, God has placed you in this very strategic spot, in your home, in your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, in your extended family. He's placed you as a light, and he knows what he's doing. When Jesus said, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out more laborers into his harvest, I have no doubt that many people 2,000 years ago were praying for that very thing as they were commanded to do. And you and I are here today in answer to those prayers. Our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world are where they are today, strategically placed by the Lord in answer to those prayers 2,000 years ago. Jesus knew, my friends, it would take more than 72 human beings to speak peace and forgiveness to all humanity. Jesus knew it would take all of us to do this. And we are here today in response to those prayers. So when you walk out of here today, I want you to believe that whoever hears you, hears Jesus. Whoever receives your message of peace actually is receiving the Prince of Peace himself. And whoever rejects your message of peace, whoever rejects the gospel that you share with them, and they're probably not even aware of what they're doing, but they are rejecting Jesus, and they are rejecting the Father who sent him. And in that case, we can only pray, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we pray that there may be yet another day in their future when they will hear once again and when they will believe. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds. Through Christ Jesus, amen. And I would remind you that if you've not uh, signed up for Everyone His Witness workshop, uh, it's out there by the front door, please do so. And you should have a postcard in your worship bulletin. That's an invitation to church. Uh, You you know, you can hand it to someone. I think that's best. It gives our worship times on there. You could just sort of run up to them, hand it to them, and run away. Okay? Uh, But if you're not that bold, if you're not that bold, uh, you can mail it. (laughs) Okay? They'll get the message. God's blessings to all of us as we share his grace with all who will hear. 
in Jesus' name. Amen.